0: Welcome back, folks, to episode two of my show, The John Lovell Show. I'm joined in studio by Heath and Ben and Mario, who didn't get a camera. So we'll just show you a picture of a camera as a stand-in for (laughs) Mario. Guys, we're going to be talking about all things faith and family, freedom, firearms, firepower, cut to guns and stuff. Mm, Look at those guns. Yay for that, all the F stuff, right? We did
1: have one F thing that we didn't cover last week that I think was the most controversial of the week, and
0: that is facial hair. What happened was I shaved my face and the internet got ticked about it. And I'm just, hey, I wanna have a face. I'm, I'm gonna go gray, I'm going gray pretty quick. And so I thought, hey, before I look way older than I actually am. I'm in the... Like Sean Connery. I don't want to do that yet. Uh, And so... And maybe the missus made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And so she likes it better gone. And so it's gone for a while. And the singular vote of my wife is more important to me than the collective vote of the internet. And this is the show today. We're going to be talking about all kinds of cross cultural elements or or cultural, counter cultural Mm -hmm. elements. And I'm gonna give you five ways that I radically live counter culturally. Some of it's going to probably irritate you and tick you off and you're going to disagree and you're not going to like it. However, I would say when we disagree, that's an okay thing. When we're always saying the same thing, it just means we're in an echo chamber and you're never challenged with new or different ways of living and ideas. And a lot of times I'll read alternate opinions and perspectives so that I'm challenged by them, I can grow by them. And so that's kind of what we do. Warrior poets, we're just trying to band together under one big umbrella of we live for higher purpose. We're ready to sacrifice in the defense of others. We're lovers of truth and we seek that out. And that's that warrior poet way, even though our different expressions of faith or politics may differ we're under that big kind of agreement there in the center as warrior poets talking about all the important issues together this is episode 2 of the John level show So culture is one of the most powerful mechanisms around us. We're both aware of it and unaware of it all at the same time, just like you can kind of miss the forest through all the trees. It's, you're just too close to it to actually see it. So some real positive American cultural elements I really like is we got a great spirit of innovation, Uh, We have a a great spirit of freedom. We demand freedom. It's like an entitled expectant thing. We demand freedom of speech. We're the freest nation on earth. I also like that American culture, we, we have a gun culture. I think we have more guns than people. And I celebrate a country that's armed to the teeth. And you can do crazy stuff. Here's uh, me and my buddy Scott. We taped explosives to frisbees once and we played uh, a game I made called explosive frisbee golf. And the other dude throws a frisbee and you try to blast it out of the air with a shotgun. And I thought that was the most American thing I'd done in a long time. Uh, so yay for American culture, right? Yay guns. Now, some of you are being like, man, he's really going on the good stuff of like, yeah, I'm trying to be a better balanced person because you know the bad is coming. Uh, but here, here's one more good. Uh, we're the most charitable country on the planet. And I don't just mean the government absconding wealth that you created to redistribute around the world in ways that you may or may not agree with. I'm talking about individuals and families of their own volition, giving lovingly and charitably and joyfully uh, to causes in their own backyard and around the world. We're the most charitable nation on the planet, and that's wrapped up in our culture. All right, so there's some good stuff. Here's some bad stuff. And then I'm going to get into five radical ways I live counter-culturally. And that's going to be, I know some of it's going to be like kicking a hornet's nest, but uh, I think it'll grow us overall and it'll start a good conversation between us and in this room as well. Here's a bad thing. Uh, people live wildly above their means. The average American household is deeply ensconced in credit card debt and they buy houses they can't afford and drive vehicles. They have no business driving and that's a bad thing. Living up to just bad, bad debt. We all want to live like little kings. But I think most of
1: us are sold on the whole, hey, it's, 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 I've earned it. I deserve something nice.
0: Right. But there's such a trade off to buying the nice stuff and that's now, whereas our grandparents, most of them were not bivocational uh, with our grandparents, uh, the grandfather worked and the grandmother, you know, raised the kids and kept the household in, in check and really, you know, nurtured that and brought up the home. And today it's like even to suggest that the feminists come out of the woodwork and be like, that's awful, terrible. She's giving up on her dream. How dare you love your kids and family more than a nine to five that you'll have for a few years of so like somehow it's ditching your dreams and giving up to, to hold near and dear your family rather than working for the man at a corporate shift, climbing the ladder and giving him your best years rather than really growing the legacy of family. Somehow that trade off. But now people can't afford a single income house anymore. And so both of you go to work so that you can afford the houses and the cars that you can't really afford and you have someone else raise your kids for you, whether it's in daycare or public school or whatever. I'm I'm leaning into um, some stuff that will get a little bit sticky and dicey. And um, I'm I'm not judging anyone per se. I'm just saying that's, that's a bad cultural element. Keeping up with the Joneses. It's not just an individual decision thing. It's kind of in the ether. It is a cultural pressure uh, to spin, spin, consume, consume. Some other bad stuff, I think we're over-sexualized. I think we're extremely pornographic culture. I think we're vain. I think we're entitled. I think we're uh, spoiled amidst our amazing wealth and we spend so much time entertaining ourselves. We
1: live in a society where everybody thinks they deserve something or they're told they deserve things. So even if you don't have the money for it, if you don't have the means for it, you still deserve it in some way, shape or form. And so that gets people into that position where now they're buying into what culture is selling them and putting themselves in debt. And now they're house poor, car poor, whatever. It's because we're an instant gratification culture. Kids are immediately feeling that they should have the level of living as their parents who have worked for three decades to afford the car that they have.
0: Yep. Agree with all. Um, So let's jump into the five uh, radically countercultural ways that I live. Let's jump into the first one. All right. So first, I visit online, but I live offline. And I bring this up because I think for a lot of you guys, if you looked at your screen time, really... You live online and then you visit your life. And that's not cool. That's gonna hit you in all kinds of ways that you don't even realize of the opportunity cost uh, that you're paying of like, if you really just spread it out and looked at it, of like, really, man, you could have you made a new business. You could have learned a new foreign language that year with all that time. You could have read all kinds of books. You could have invested in family time.
1: Social media is a good tool the problem is when it becomes my entertainment, that's when I start realizing I need more boundaries.
0: Yeah, it, it just sucks me in where I'm like, I'm, I'm scrolling, yeah, you know, and all of a sudden I realize well, 30 minutes has gone down by. And, and really, some of it, I did a little bit of work and a little bit of news, but really it's just like crazy cat videos. And whoa, look at that stupid person. He tried to jump over a pool and he racked his nuts on the side. But man, I ended up deleting Instagram and Facebook on my phone because one, I, I think... You know, of like those apps have all kinds of access uh, to me that, that I don't want them to. And they're so censored; they're just not worth it. So now when we're doing posting as a company, I deliver content to a social media manager who does the posting for me. And the only thing on my phone now is YouTube because I learn from YouTube. I knowledge share some from YouTube still and Twitter because Twitter I'm personally active on. Um, You know, I, I'm actually doing this stuff because that's the least censorious platform that we have. And so uh, what about you, Ben? Yeah,
1: I, I feel I feel pretty regularly convicted about uh, screen time because if I were to put the shoe on the other foot, would I be pleased if my daughter was replicating how much I was on my phone if she was on her phone?
0: That's fantastic. I, I completely agree. So uh, one is, guys, you really want to visit online, but live offline. I live offline. Books and outside time and family stuff and good manual labor and fitness and guns. and I should have said firearms because we do the F thing on the show. That. Yeah. That's a thing, and we, we, we just kind of started doing it. Yeah. It's like, why do these guys like F words so much? It's the ones we can say. Yeah. Yeah. F and A. All right. So a second thing, this is going to ruffle some feathers. I love my wife more than my kids. I think in American culture, we set up our kids like little kings and just all things bow to the children. You know, of like, I watch it all the time. A couple or a group is having a conversation and the kid comes up and pulls on the sleeve, mommy, 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 uh, and the parent stops, interrupts, and fully engages with the child. And it, for me, that, that's, it's not a terrible thing. Sometimes you, you need to have like, oh, your hair is on fire. Pause, let me take care of the kid and bucket of water. You're not on fire anymore. And so there's some times when that needs to happen. But most of the time, uh, you're teaching the kid that whatever I'm doing, you're actually more important than. And you can interrupt and you can just be this spoiled little Napoleon. And I think we're spoiling our kids and we're robbing uh, important value from our spouses as well. And what I recognize is, is that uh, kids, if you make them the center of your universe, you're going to spoil them rotten. And the thing that they really need more than anything is to see that mom and dad are deeply in love and committed to that relationship. And if you're, uh, you know, Uh, in that healthy marriage, the kids are going to be healthy and if it's a broken marriage that idolatrizes the kids, the family is going to be unhealthy and that's what I think and some of you guys uh, are probably guilty uh, of that. You allow the kids to hijack your marriage. You're not doing date nights, Uh, but you got to do date nights and this is a countercultural thing is I I don't think, uh, I don't think modern families really prioritize their marriage over the kids
1: date nights, super important. Uh, the thing that I think about with that people are going to ask right now is John, you don't love your kids. They're like, I need, I need to hear that from you. Do you love your kids? No, Jack?
0: they're at the worst. I figured you were they're terrible that. off. No, I love my kids. And so what I'm not at, thank you. Eve. Yeah. What I'm not telling folks to do is, Oh, uh, all right. You need to love your children less. I'm like, no, you need to love your wife more. That's the point. Of like, I'm not advocating loving anyone less. I'm saying love the love your spouse more than you do. Pursue them like when you first started dating, you know, and that marriage is going to grow them and you and the kids who are watching. It sets the it sets a beautiful image of how to do life well. And if you don't do it that way, you're going to spoil your kids rotten. There'll be worthless little tyrants one day. Braddy spoiled undisciplined uh, i know i said brats already but let me say it again they'll be brats don't do it love your wife more than your kids and everything will work out better
1: i feel like at my house it really sets a tone too my kids notice that our son's home from college right now my wife fell asleep the other night on the sofa he woke her up and was like hey you need to go get in bed like he didn't like the fact that me and my wife were sleeping apart even though it had nothing to do with a fight it was just she stayed up later But for him, he was like, no, I I want you and dad to
0: be together. That's fantastic. I have my third one, and this is probably gonna be the more controversial of all of them. People are gonna fight me in the comments about this, but first I think uh, we should do our shameless plug section. Shameless plug! How, How does such a big man go so high? Are you a falsetto?
1: I've got a lot of range, okay? I got a lot of surprises, John.
0: We're doing it, here we go. Guys, this week for shameless plug, we opted not to do a shameless plug at all. I'm just gonna drink this coffee.
1: Yep, this coffee's good.
0: Mm, Definitely no product placement here. And around the office, nothing to see here. Nothing to shop in the store to support the Warrior Poet Society. This is a great mug. None
1: of that happens. Keeps my coffee warm.
0: What? My goodness, I didn't notice how good that mug was. Could you imagine if you tried to drink coffee and you didn't have a mug? It'd look like this. Look at that. Holy cow, that guy needs a mug. He should go shop the Warrior Poet Society store. I'd tell him to do that, but this is not a shameless plug. Shameless plug. All right. The third way I live counter culturally is I adopt more of a puritanical rule for myself on how I interact uh, with women. Uh, what that means is I don't have any like besties that are girls. My best friend is my wife. And other than that, I hang out with dudes and stuff, and and I have friends that are females as well, but I'm not gonna go like kick it with them or hang out with them or emotionally connect to them or share a secret with them or go catch lunch, just the two of us. I am never alone with a member of the opposite sex. The reason for all this is is, uh, one, I, I don't really need that I don't value that and the reward isn't worth any type of risk where you could open up with some uh, gal and then a little bit over time four years later you have an affair it's like oops uh, so um, I don't know I also just don't really feel comfortable with my wife having a relationship with dudes uh, apart from me of like what do you need from men that I'm not providing you so this isn't some thing we my wife and i place on each other we didn't even really talk about it this is just how we defaulted in our marriage and so if i wanted a female friend i i could have one my wife isn't you know lording over me to say no female friends and and i'm not doing that over her we just kind of we just kind of went to this thing. We we didn't need that. So
1: when you say puritanical, you mean more like just good boundaries as far as relationships you have that are not your wife.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I think boundaries is is the right word. Uh, my wife didn't put that boundary on me. She's She wasn't like jealously trying to, you know, unhelpfully keep me all to herself, though she could because I belong to her and she belongs to me. That's what marriage is. We belong to each other, but she's not like jealously saying, I can't, you know, look at a girl or, you know, talk to a girl and I'm not doing that with her either. We just kind of fell into that as a marriage and uh, we're not missing anything.
1: Well, and a lot of it's about, it's love and respect is what it's coming down. Yeah. Like you love and respect your wife. And so you don't want to make her feel a certain way. You don't want her to make you feel a certain way. And I think you touched on it well is that it
0: can lead to things. Right. And so it's not like we don't trust each other. Like it all just all of a sudden happened, like I got to give a gal a lift, you know, home of like, well, all right, then I I can lax, I'll do that. I will tell my wife about it afterwards, just because I guess what I want is I want a faithful marriage and the door is like shut and locked, sealed. So nothing could ever even happen. And if you just crack a door open to some of this other stuff, over time it can open more and more and more. And then though you're in no danger of making a mistake like today, in six years you are. And so I'd rather just keep that door completely shut so there's never an opportunity for anything to ever happen. And I guess that's what I mean when I say the risk isn't worth the reward. It's not like we can't control ourselves or we're any danger of that now, but we're not worried about how's our marriage going to look today or tomorrow, we're playing the long game. Mm -hmm. And the long game looks like, man, marriages are falling apart and people are cheating on each other. Seven years in, 10 years in, 20 years in, whatever of like, I never want it to even be a possibility. And so out of love and respect, we just kind of have those boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Um, So I'm even probably a step further, um, many years of doing ministry. I had a policy where uh, I wouldn't even take rides with with a uh, solo with another female in the car.
0: Man, this guy's crazy. You You see this Puritan?
1: Well, look, the thing is though, this might be a controversial point. Somebody's gonna be upset about it, but you do it
0: because you want to have a better marriage. Yeah, that's to be friends with girls. It just, yeah. I'm not going to hang out with you solo one-on-one. All right, fourth way I live radically countercultural is uh, my wife and I don't let other people raise our kids. So we don't drop them off at daycare. Uh, we don't send them off to private or public school. I know a lot of you guys tuning in, you do. Uh, but let this just be an interesting thing to consider. We found out during the lockdowns that schools, even a lot of the private ones, were teaching our kids stuff that we didn't agree with. And a lot of folks, when lockdowns lifted, they didn't send their kids back. There was this massive exodus that stayed in the homeschool movement. And they realized, wow, we, we really value being there for the lion's share of our kids' day. You know, it, it's, if you're not careful, you can get in school where they're gone hours and hours each day and then extracurricular activities and sports and stuff. And really, you don't spend a lot of time with your kids Uh, Maybe you're watching them at sports and stuff and you you ride together in cars and you get around a dinner table a little bit. But really, eight hours a day, you're not raising your own kids. Someone else is raising your kids. And y'all are working by vocationally. And maybe that's okay for a season. Maybe you want to go the long haul. I'm just saying for everything that you get. You get more money, but you lose the ability to really be there uh, for most of your, your kid's life. And so everything's a trade off. And this one I want to be sensitive to because I'm just I'm aware of how many folks don't live this way. So I'm not cudgeling you with this, but this is something we do. And we've had to pay extreme prices for this. We had to really, really this cut deep, deep to downsize the way we lived so that we could be a single income home.
1: I'm glad you said that, though, because some people are in a situation where bills, whatever, they are a dual income family. Yeah. And you know, uh, Matt Baudreau, who did a, a show on our network about home education, one of the things that he and I talked about was, okay, well, what happens when you can't change that? When you can't change that situa- situation. And one of the things that I always look at is conversation. So I'm talking with my kids. So even if my kids are at school and learning things, we're talking about the things that they learn. It may
0: take some planning to do that. It may take a couple years. So make a two year plan to figure out of like, all right, how do I downshift how much it costs to live each month? And this is going to be wildly difficult in the economic times that we're in and going into. It may not be feasible. And so if it's not, then having those good conversations and making sure that extracurricular activities don't eat up all the family memory time that you could be doing stuff together uh, and look for those teachable moments. This uh, Saturday, my boys and I, we watched, uh, we've been watching the Rocky movies. They're just turning into little workout machines where they're, my youngest did a hundred pull-ups the other day. Not all in one set. That would be amazing. Uh, but uh, just... He's rocking out sets of two and three. Yeah. And uh, what well, we worked out Saturday is as, as just the dudes. And then they wanted boxing. And so I was teaching them boxing. And uh, it was really fun, cool time. I think the world would be better if everyone got punched really hard in the face every once in a while. You would be far more respectful. You would be far more... Well, everyone's like, he's calling for violence. I'm making a joke oh. that's kind of true, but... Don't go punch everyone in the face, but uh, getting some martial arts, it may do you some good to get punched in the face. We're gonna get in trouble. We are gonna get punched. Ah, screw it. You need to get punched in the face sometimes. All right, uh, number five. We are unplugged from the matrix.
1: Well, you don't look like Keanu Reeves. False, I
0: am the one. So. I knew it. Yep. Your body is right now in this dystopian futuristic yeah. Pod. That stuff is coming, That's I it. Like That's it. You have no hair on your body. <laughs> I'm a skinless cat. Your mohawk is gone. Did
1: you say a skinless cat? You mean hairless cat? Hairless cat. That's I mean, terrifying.
0: Yeah, this is terrible. So, what I mean by unplugged from the matrix, it means uh, we're trying to grow our own food. Uh, we have our own cow, like we butchered and well, we bought, we sold a cow and then we bought a butchered cow. So we're not eating Mrs. Moo. So, but we've got a cow in our basement. So we're eating beef that didn't have hormones and stuff pumped into it. And we're trying to be self-sufficient in that way. And we eat our own eggs from our hen house every morning. Um, we're trying to be self-reliant and that is extremely hard and it's taken us years to get where we're at and where we want to go, it's going to take years more, but, uh, we're trying to be unplugged from just kind of the whole system where all the systems of supermarkets and fast food, uh, are required to keep us, uh, alive, uh, from week to week. So we wanted a healthier way of living. It's good for chores for the boys. It's good for outside time for us. We know what's in our food, and so we are healthier and we feel better, and it lowers our costs.
1: So it's kind of a two-pronged thing. It's healthier but also makes you sustainable so that you don't have to just rely on the normal way of getting your food.
0: That's right. And if, if you know, all the tenfold hatters are completely wrong and our systems are good ad infinitum forever and all these crises amount to squat and life goes on. Well, then we would have just gotten healthier, been outside more and done some good chores. That's our best case scenario. Our worst case scenario is, is, Hey, some of this, you know, plants burning down and the economic times are harsh of like when no one else can eat, we still can eat.
1: It sounds like such a massive leap. What was your first step into it?
0: We moved out of a neighborhood. This was January 1st of, uh, I guess, three years ago, and it took us uh, quite a while from the time we said, we need to get out of a neighborhood, get a little bit of land around us and start making steps to be more self-sufficient. We've been doing one little thing kind of each month. And over time, it's added up to be quite a lot of like, i my property's on solar now that took a really, really long time. But really, I feel like my wife and I were just we had seen enough bad stuff, enough writing on the wall. We're like all the spending, all the crisis, all of this stuff, the infrastructure looks like it is cracking everywhere. And I think we just had the courage to look at it and say this might end badly. What can we do? to uh protect and provide all right tons more to the show if you guys are watching on youtube or you're streaming on all the different places that we do our podcast thanks so much for tuning in there's a lot more to this show including our dad joke section which is really fun our Q and ambush section our training tip we're going to also talk about some current event issues svb bank the second largest bank to collapse in american history that just went down and then government bailouts and is that happening and what do you do with your money of like do you to jettison it from a banks and are we overreacting or are we not scared enough and all the fallout we also had the oscars and some other newsworthy kind of things that i just want to comment on and uh, we'll chat about so guys you will have to go over to watch wpsn.com and sign up for our streaming service and download our app to watch the rest of the show if you'd like to support us by signing up, we'd appreciate it. Use code JLSHOW, and that'll get you a nice, hefty discount. I will say you'll be able to get this show. All of our other shows, as well, are available for you, as well as our training classes. Just watching Pistol One class alone would be worth multiple years of sign up. Not to mention all the other classes that we give you there. Please sign up, watchwpsn.com. Then you can download the app on wherever you see your shows and stuff. So iOS, Apple TV, Android TV, or Fire and Roku, wherever else you can download the app. We'd really appreciate it and uh, hope to see you there for the rest of the show. In the meantime, please enjoy this clip from our Q&A section of the show. All right. So Andy asks, what are some good ways you've grown your skills in emergency medical preparedness? Any specific resources the average Joe can use to grow and stay proficient? First off, Andy, way to go. Warrior Poet wanting to guard, protect life whenever you're leaning in of like, hey, how can I get some medical training or kit? Uh, That's always a a selfless thing of like, you're wanting to help other people. And so I really like that. Uh, We had a scary thing happen in a recent uh, firearms class. Uh, Paul, our training director, was teaching and somebody literally fell over, uh, went into cardiac arrest and went flatline, died on the range. We had some medically trained personnel in class who started immediately giving CPR, And did that for about two minutes, and someone happened to have an AED. That's an automated external defibrillator. So think, uh, you know, shock them like clear, except this does it like automatically. And so between CPR chest compressions, uh, you know, they were doing a a bag uh, mask and hitting him with AED. Two minutes later brought him back to life, and now he's living. But if we hadn't have had the AED, uh, he would have died. And so the very next day, I got on and I bought three AEDs to go out with any of our training uh, guys. So if I have a lead instructor teaching a class on a range, because people are falling over mysteriously doing the kick and chicken of like, nope, we're doing AEDs now. And so we have defibrillators in our classes. I've got one on me at all times. I also updated my medical bag. So I just have a lot of trauma stuff. Some of our medical kits that are already packed full with all of our medical devices, And I got some glucose in there. Uh, I had a scare where some diabetic man fell over in a Honduras airport and I was there and I didn't have any glucose and he was unconscious. And so I couldn't like put Skittles down his throat or anything like that. I didn't have glucose paste. And so I ended up updating that too. Also, we got a new medical instructor, Pat, who's phenomenal. Here's Pat, absolutely incredible. I went to the class uh, medical one and medical two cause I wanted to audit and make sure it was an amazing, amazing top shelf class for all you guys. And so in that pilot, I found myself learning all kinds of stuff. Now I am, I went through EMT school uh, and I did some medical stuff, low level stuff, but anyway, You know, whether it's pushing IVs or shots and stuff, I've done more than just the average EMT. And so I'm medically inclined. I didn't expect to learn as much. I learned a massive amount in med one. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Train hard, train smart. Stay free.